Our next reading of Scripture is going to come from Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 15. Exodus 3, 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, Moses called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver from them the, to the, from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who I am? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said thus further, You shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me. So God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. This is my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've always liked fire. I've always been a closet pyromaniac. Growing up in Lincoln County, you know how some counties are uh, sinful and some are without sin? Lincoln County was, what, Lincoln County was sinful. We had, all, we had all the roadside bars and firework stands. So all the, all, all, all the good-natured people of Pike County, and I'm looking at two of them right now, good, Pike, good, good Pike County people would sneak across the county line to Lincoln County to go have their sinful fun and buy fireworks. I always liked fireworks, love Roman candles, love bottle rockets. But my favorite were, you know those ones that were all clumped together that you could light and they would just blow up and take off your toes? Those are my favorites. And one day when I was a young boy, I thought it would be the neatest thing to take some of those and set them off inside the house. My mom did not agree with that decision-making tree that I used. And she said the words that every young boy loves to hear, wait till your father gets home. 
My dad came in like Indiana Jones with the bull whip, just whipping everything, but it was his belt. And I heard the belt come out of the loops as he walked in the house and just started swinging. I got a whooping. I think the dog got a whooping. I think everybody got a whooping. Everybody that was in the path of Connie Stoddard that day got a whooping. But I've always liked fire. I've always thought fire was interesting. Uh, growing, I think I've shared with you before that my family, we didn't raise corn commercially, but the way my family worked was all of us lived on the old home place. And when my granddaddy died, he basically gave every child 10 acres. So my mom and daddy had 10 acres, my Uncle Merlin had 10 acres, my Aunt Margaret had 10 acres, my Aunt Susie had 10 acres, you know, my Uncle Charles had 10 acres. Every sibling had 10 acres. And so during the summers, we farmed. And the way it worked was every family group, if you will, would grow a certain crop on their land. So my Uncle Merlin did the potatoes and the watermelons. My Aunt Margaret did the purple hole peas. We did the corn. My, my, we raised the corn on our part of the land. And so we had a, had, a, had, a, had a plan, a program, if you will. The uncles, the daddies, they planted the corn. The cousins, us kids, we went and picked it. So we'd wake up early and put on our blue jeans and our long sleeves. Because you if you've ever picked corn before, you want to keep, stay out of the stalks because you're going to itch for days. So we would pick it. And then our mamas would clean it, and they would cream it. And we had, a, we had a system. It's the only system I've ever heard of. Me and Tim have talked of it. He'd never heard of anybody doing this. What we would do is we would boil water. And back in the olden days, it was literally like a big witch's cauldron, a huge black pot. Looked, as big, looked bigger than me when I was a kid. We'd fill it full of water. We'd build a huge fire, and we'd burn it. We'd boil the water. Now, as technology got better, we got crawfish burners, and that's how we'd boil the water. So what we would do is we would take all the corn we, we picked, we'd, we'd, we'd chuck it, we'd lay it in wash tubs, and then we would take that boiling water and dump it on the corn. And then what we would do is mama throughout the year would save milk jugs, and she would freeze water in those milk jugs, put those milk jugs full of ice in the wash tubs to cool the water down, and apparently that would loosen the silk. So then my parents would silk it and then cream it. So back in the olden days, they creamed it with a butter knife. They just had a butter knife, and, a, and they just creamed it. Then we got some modern creaming things that made it a lot more efficient, but that's what we did. But I just remember as a, as a young boy just being mesmerized, and they would build that fire. It was like... Nothing I've ever seen. I come from a long line of pyromaniacs. My granny loved to burn her backyard. Said, so get rid of the brush. So she would burn her backyard, and then it would always at some point jump in the pasture. And so I knew granny let the fire jump into the pasture. When I'd get off the school bus and see all my family out there with pine brushes beating out the fire, that granny let get in the pasture. So fire's always been a constant thing in my family. The Bible has so many references to fire. You know, as I've told you many times, the Bible's a story that's meant to be read kind of in one piece. You can see so many things across the whole of Scripture when you look that way. Usually, fire in the Bible seen as a good thing. Now, there are times when it's not seen as good. Remember in James, when he compares our tongues 
to, an, to, to a fire that can burn and destroy. Now, the same mouth cannot flow both blessings and curses. We see in Isaiah 43 an image of fire when God says, when you pass the fires, you'll not be burned. But most of the time, when we see fire, we see fire in the Bible as a good thing. Think about Pentecost. What landed on their heads? Tongues of fire. So often in Scripture, the concept of fire is seen with purification. Fire is something that makes pure. It is the refiner's fire. The fire makes pure. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is Romans 12. In Romans 12, it ends with Paul writing, Do good to your enemies as to heap burning coals upon their heads. We sometimes in the South interpret that as kill them with kindness. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Because when you read the Bible, what you see is that fire is synonymous with purification. Remember Isaiah and Isaiah 6? When he's in the temple ministering in the Holy of Holies and the Lord God appears. And scripture says that when Isaiah sees God, his response is, woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord God of hosts. What does Scripture say happens? The angel takes a tongue and grabs a coal off the altar and uses that coal to touch Isaiah's lips and to purify it. Fire purifies. So when we do good to our enemies as to heap burning coals upon their head, it's not kill them with kindness, but when we love our enemies... That's so out of step with our culture. That's so out of step with our world that when we love our enemies, it makes people want to know more about this Jesus we follow because it's so different. And when we love others, we help sanctify them, but frankly, we sanctify ourselves as well. So fire is an interesting thing in Scripture. So today, how does God appear to Moses? As a fire. Might that be significant in light of the rest of Scripture? But what's interesting about this fire is not that it was on fire because, y'all, that's actually common. When you're in Israel, even to this day, it's not at all uncommon to see one of these brushes just burst into fire. That, that happens all the time in Israel. The, the bush catching on fire, not a big deal. But what's significant was that it was not consumed. Scripture says, Moses says, let me turn aside and see this. What the Scripture actually says is, let me see this amazing thing. So Moses turns aside and sees this bush that is not being consumed by the fire. And in this, bo- in this bush, he hears God say to him, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. Names are significant in Scripture. Names mean that you know them. In the Bible, your name isn't just what you were called, but it's who you are. Think about how many times in Scripture God changes someone's name. Happens all the time. So God calls out to Moses and calls him by name and says, I know you. You are mine. And then not only that, God gives Moses his name. I am. Remember Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis? What was the one question Jacob asked over and over to God? Tell me your name. Tell me your name. When God called Moses by name, he's saying to Moses, I know you. And when God tells Moses 
his name, he's saying, I am yours and you are mine. So it's significant, I think, that God calls to Moses out of fire. Out of all the ways God could have appeared to Moses, he uses fire. This sign of purification. Why would Moses need to be purified? Well, go back to Exodus 2. You know what Moses did in Exodus 2? He killed a man. Crime of passion. Killed a man. Moses is a murderer. He sees an Egyptian beating Hebrew slaves and he, out of rage, kills him. Buries the body. The next day, Moses is walking and sees two Hebrews arguing and he tells them to stop. And they say, will you kill us in the same way you killed the Egyptian? And so Moses ran. He ran. And for 40 years, he was in the wilderness. For 40 years, maybe the word might not be purification, but maybe the word is trial. He went through his trial for 40 years in the wilderness to when God appears to him in the form of a flame to purify him. I think it's interesting in Scripture how many times the people of God go through times of trial, don't they? Let's think about the Israelites themselves. They leave Egypt. What happens then? They wander and are tried for 40 years in the desert. Later, after Jerusalem is destroyed, they go into exile for 40 years. And in that time, the Old Testament is canonized and compiled. Even Jesus, though he was not in need of purification, after his baptism, went for 40 days into the wilderness to be tempted and to be tried. Paul, in Acts, after his conversion, withdraws to the desert for years before going to the apostles. Scripture is full of the people of God going through times of, call it purification, or really, more likely, call it trial in the midst of their faithfulness. Every child of God, every church goes through times of trial. I was hesitant to preach this text today because I want to be very careful in this season with what I say and how I say it. That's why I'm preaching in the manner that I'm preaching right now. I'm trying to de-escalate. I'm trying to bring the temperature down. Emotions are running high. Passions are running high. And to be very transparent, I as your pastor don't want to say anything to inflame. I don't want to say anything to escalate. So if this season I seem distant or far off, it's just because I'm trying to be incredibly measured right now and calm in the midst of this to not inflame, 
and to not escalate passions and emotions because I love each of you no matter what. So I'm not talking about the church right now. I didn't want you to think that I was. But we also can't be blind and say that this doesn't speak to us. You know, we are in a season of trial and of troubles before God does whatever God chooses to do next. But our trials and our purification, our troubles might not be church-related. You may have a parent in a bad place right now or a child. Maybe work is trying. Maybe your children are trying. Maybe life is trying. And we feel like we're going through this time of trial. We feel like we are standing in the midst of the refiner's fire saying, Lord, how much longer? Lord, how much more? Lord, how much chaff can you continue to burn away because I feel like I'm nothing but bones now? Lord, how much more? And that's when we're reminded that God called Moses by name. In the same way that God calls you by name. The same way that God knows you by name. In the same way that you were God's very own this morning. Called, loved, prayed over by an amazing God. And so God calls Moses. And what's Moses' first response? Nope. Not doing it. And he offered every excuse in the book. I can't speak. So God gave Aaron. I have no power. So God gave the staff. Who shall I say sent me? So God gave the divine name. For every bit of the trial and the trouble that seemed too much, for every bit of the trial and the trouble that seemed overwhelming, for every bit of all of it, God supplied what Moses needed. The God of the bush, which was not consumed, calls you now by name calls you in your trials and calls you through your trials saying I know you by name come to me follow me obey me let this trial purify you that you may be faithful God calls to us in our times of trial and may our response be the same as Moses and all those saints who have gone before us, here I am. May that be our prayer today. Let us pray.